0: You are Locked
1: On Redskins, your daily Washington Redskins podcast, part of
0: the Locked On Podcast Network, Your your team
1: every day, every day, every day.
0: All right, I'm Chris Russell. Welcome to another edition of the Locked on Redskins podcast. As always, you can follow me at Russellmania621. And you can follow the podcast at Locked Redskins, at Locked Redskins on Twitter. Lots of story links, uh, some stuff that I'm doing for RedskinsReport.com, part of SI, which is also a great way to keep up with uh, me. It's uh, updated constantly throughout the day and uh, my crew, uh, including Rick Snyder and others. Um, redskinsreport.com again under the si.com umbrella also uh, by subscription warpath magazine and from time to time still uh, although it's less right now on 106.7 the fan in the washington dc area 106.7 on the fm dial and the radio.com app all right so coming up on today's Uh, show um, because we're running a little bit behind schedule we've had a bunch of press conferences teleconferences I should say not press conferences because we're not allowed to touch each other we're not allowed to be in the same room as each other we're not allowed to breathe around each other (coughs) so the Redskins have made several of their players available so we wanted to bring you as much of that as we possibly can we'll start off this episode of the locked on Redskins podcast with a little Q&A type um interspersed basically what I did just so it sounded better um because you know with the teleconference the audio is a little choppier than normal um what I did was I basically uh Took the questions that were asked and I rephrased them in my voice uh, just so it sounded a little bit better. So it wasn't as bad for you guys. Uh, So Kyle Allen, the new Redskins quarterback, met with the media on Tuesday from a garage, I believe in Southern California, where apparently he's working out with Sam Darnold of the New York Jets. So we wanted to bring you Kyle Allen right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. And this is only part of what he had to say. We'll have part two in the next episode. Uh, But we have so much player audio right now, we're going to use it and we're going to get through it. Um, So here's Kyle Allen, uh, partly meeting with the media on Tuesday, the newest Redskins quarterback right here on LOR. Here's Kyle Allen being asked what his prep is like right now.
2: Yeah, uh, it really hasn't been much different. We've been out here since February 1st we've kind of done this the past couple of years. We come out here at the beginning of February. We stay here through March and just kind of get through months of training. And so the only thing that's changed is we had to move from our gym to like some person's garage over here because we had to be away from everybody. So we're just in a, in a garage down here in one of these neighborhoods with the only three people working out in it so it's nice and clean and chill. and then we just go and throw us three so we're trying to stay away from everyone and and still be cognizant of the social distancing and everything but at the same time trying to get as much work in as we can so not much has changed it's just been a little harder to find places to throw a little harder to find places to work out has
0: he had a chance to talk with Dwayne Haskins? does he even know the incumbent starting quarterback
2: uh no I never met him before uh we just I mean we played each other last year and, you know, just dabbing each other up after the game. Nothing crazy. But um, we've texted since uh, since I've been traded. Nothing crazy. I'm excited to get out and meet him. And, you know, a lot of the coaching staff is the same, too. But I haven't met Coach MPZ yet either, so excited to meet him and and all the new players and stuff, too. But, yeah, limited contact me and him. How do you go into that competition, then, just trying to get to know somebody and compete for the same job? I mean, we've been doing it our whole lives, you know what I mean? I but yeah, I mean we've all been we've all been doing that since we were uh you know, in high school. We've been trying to trying to compete against different guys and and at the same time you get to meet a lot of really cool people in the process, you know. When I was in Carolina with Cam and Well, we're all competing for different types of jobs and stuff, but and you know, we all come out of it and just great relationships. You spend a lot of time with these people, you might as well have great relationships with them. So hopefully it's the same between me and Dwayne and Alex and, uh, and Kurt, what we-
0: Hey Kyle, were you expecting a trade from the Carolina Panthers, who you started 12 games for last year? And have you been told what the expectation is for you this year?
2: Yeah, uh, when they traded for me, it's kind of random, you know. I didn't really expect you to trade. It. Just signed a contract in Carolina two weeks before, so yeah. interesting experience. But just talking to uh, the coaches, talking to Ron, and you know, I think the expect- expectation is to come in and compete for the job. That's an awesome opportunity, and I think that's kind of cool, and I think it's cool to be back with uh, the coaches I want to in a similar system. So we'll see. You know, I'm just going to take advantage of my reps. Like, I've been in Carolina when I was the fourth time two years ago and I've had three reps in training camp. Now let's just see more reps. just keep taking advantage of them.
0: And how about the Redskins' new offensive coordinator, but your former offensive coordinator in Carolina, so you know him, quarterback's coach, he was there at your pro day, one of only two NFL coaches, Scott Turner.
2: Yeah, I think they are getting a really good young coach, and I've spent a lot of time with uh, Scott over the past two years, and just grinding out installs, grinding out tape, doing everything, and I think Scott has really got his opportunity in the last four games of the season last year, and... I think he showed well, and I think Coach Rivera saw that, and a lot of other people saw that too, and gave him opportunity. So I think you're getting a good young, i mean, not crazy young, but a young offensive coordinator who hasn't been there before, and who studied under North Turner, one of the best in the games, for his basically since he was born. You know, he was there's a picture of him when he was 12 years old throwing the ball on the sidelines of the Redskins. So I think this is kind of full circle for him. It's really cool for him, and I think it's it's going to be a really good uh, opportunity for him and for the the Redskins too. I think it's a good fit.
0: And in this weird NFL off season, what's the most important thing about learning an NFL offense and specifically Scott Turner's offense?
2: Um, I mean it's just repetitions with the system. I think they're the the calls are long and there's tons of different there's hundreds of formations, hundreds of concepts, hundreds of plays. It's just it's just repetitions, you know. It took me a while, I was just sitting in front of the mirror and saying the play to myself or going through all the plays over and over at night. You know, it just took a while, especially when I was first year at Carolina. I didn't really get many reps in practice either, so I was just grinding out by myself in the room. So I think it'll just, you just got to rep it, and rep it, rep it, and once it becomes muscle memory, and then you're good.
0: All right, so that's part one of Kyle Allen meeting with reporters on Tuesday via teleconference, uh, and um, certainly appreciate Redskins PR for making these guys available. Now, coming up, Thomas Davis, Thomas Davis, the Redskins linebacker, he also met with the media on Tuesday. We're going to have that for you next right here on LOR. All right. This is the Locked on Redskins podcast. I'm Chris Russell. Good to have you with us. So Thomas Davis, Redskins linebacker, of course, longtime uh, player for Ron Rivera in Carolina after a year with the LA Chargers now back and reunited with Ron Rivera. And let's hear from him about how he plans to attack and pay attention to what he says about the defensive system. I think that's important here too. Hey, Thomas, it's John Kime with ESPN. I'm curious, for you rejoining Ron
3: Rivera, what kind of difference can that make you coming off a year where with the charges where you felt like you probably had to learn a new defense, et cetera, and maybe get things on play. So what kind of difference can it make for you reuniting with him? Um, it's definitely gonna be exciting reuniting with Coach Rivera. Um, understanding, you know, how he likes to operate, how he likes to do things and um what he expects of us as players. It's definitely going to be an exciting time being back on the East Coast. And, um, you know, a lot of people saying that, hey, you're going to be right back in the system that you're familiar with. But at the same time, you know, it's it's Jack Del Rio's defense. So, it's going to be a learning curve and something that we're all going to have to go through as defensive players. So, we're we're excited about it. I know I am. um, And I'm pretty sure the other guys are as well.
2: Hey, Thomas. This is Rhiannon Walker with The Athletic. What was your motivation for coming over to Washington? Obviously, Ron Rivera is somebody you've worked with extensively, but what other reasons back in signing with the team?
3: I think, you know, one of the biggest things first and foremost was the fact that Coach Rivera was there, and when I look at this Washington Redskins roster, um I feel like this, the 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 pieces are in place to be successful when you look at in particularly, defense. Um, You look at the front four that that these guys have assembled, and not only the front four, you know, I kind of look at the top six or eight guys I feel like um, are capable of going out and completely wrecking the game. And as a linebacker, you want to play behind guys that are capable of doing that. That allows you to be free. That allows you to be able to make a lot more plays. And um, that was a huge factor going into it, knowing um, that Coach Rivera knows how to do a good job of, of getting the best out of every position and every player, knowing that you know the secondary is going to perform a lot better this year. You know I watched Washington a lot last year and watching Josh Norman, who was one of my good friends, who didn't have a particularly um, impressive season. So I know that the pieces are in place. I know offensively they have a ton of weapons um, that are capable of getting the job done. When you look at AP and um, you look at guys and you look at the player, you look at all these guys and you just feel like this team has the making of becoming a really good football team. They just need the right leadership.
2: Thomas, Matt Paris and the Washington State. Just What can you provide on the leadership front? What, How did, how can you kind of implement what Ron
3: wants and kind of make your own mark as well? You know, it's it's all about going in and, and just doing whatever's asked of me. You know, whatever that ask is, whether it is, um, um, mentoring young players, whether it's um, leading by example, just whatever it, that I'm going to be asked to do that's always been my 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 makeup and um, something that I've always looked forward to doing. Because when I first came into the NFL, I had a bunch of veteran players that definitely did a great job of, of showing me the way. So here I am going into my 16th season, and it's all about giving back and pouring into the lives of these guys and getting the most out of them. Hey, Thomas, this is Pete Haley with NBC Sports Washington. As you kind of mentioned all those
2: talented guys you see on this roster, what do you think is going to be key as you and them try to ascend and become the team that matches that talent? Because, you know, they're coming off the 3-13 season, but they have talent. So how will you try to make sure this roster plays to its
3: capabilities in the future? It's all about, it's all about practice habits. You know, for me, that's something that I've learned being in this league as long as I have you start to create your identity and, and who you're going to become and what you're going to be in practice. So it, you just have to change the way that you practice. you got to make practice harder than the games. And that's something that, you know, we've done under Coach Rivera um, for a long time, and it's shown. You know, in, in Carolina, we have some really good teams in particular some really good defenses um, because we came together, we worked hard um we knew we had good coaches, and we bought into the system. And that's really what it's all about right now, getting the guys to buy in and understand that you can be whatever you want to be as long as you put the work in. Um, I, I've heard a
4: lot about how different Ron is, but you, you've been in the NFL for a long time, and you know, half of your career was without Ron Rivera. How different is it playing for him versus playing for other coaches around the league?
3: It's a lot different playing for Coach Rivera um, because he's a guy that played the game. And whenever you play for a coach that plays the game, they understand what guys are going through. Um, They listen more. They adjust the schedule more. They understand at any given point in the season that it's not about tearing guys down. It's about uplifting your players. And that's something that Coach Rivera has been really good at. Um, You know, and I just had the opportunity to go out to L.A. and play for Coach Lynn, another guy that played the game. So whenever you have two guys like that that, that definitely know what players are going through at all times, um, they tend to, while not being easy on guys, they tend to understand guys a lot more. And um, that's been my experience playing under Coach Rivera. Hey, Thomas Thank Julie you.
0: Donaldson of NBC Sports Washington. Um Going into the season, 16 years in here, and you talk about how practice kind of has to be more difficult than the game. How do you go about managing your body, making sure that you are still capable on game day, and then also just in this day and age to where you can't get out to the facilities, what are you doing in order in your homes to make sure that you
2: are physically in football shape?
3: Well, first and foremost, we all understand and know with with the times that we're in right now, it's important for us to stay at home. Um, Luckily enough for me, when I decided to build the house that I'm currently living in, that I'm probably going to live in for the rest of my life, I put a gym in it, and you know that's been one of the most beneficial things um, that I actually did in building this house. Because I'm doing this interview right now from my gym, because that's the most quiet place in the house right now. The kids are away. I think that it's important for us all realize that this is this is something that's unprecedented that we're going through right now, but. You got to stay on top of making sure that you're in shape as players. You got to make sure that um, we're doing the things that are necessary to make sure that once the season is able to kick back and we're able to go, then it's not a bunch of guys trying to get in shape at that point.
0: All right, that is new Redskins linebacker Thomas Davis meeting with reporters on Tuesday. Via teleconference coming up next, we're going to hear a little bit more about the Quentin Dunbar trade from a Seattle and from a Washington perspective. I know that was last week, but still happens to be one of the big hot burning issues in the NFL. Did the Redskins get enough? How does he fit in Seattle? Uh, And how do we move forward, quite honestly? Why didn't it work out? Because it's put the Redskins in obviously a bind despite the official now signing of Ronald Darby. So we'll have a little bit more on that next right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. If you're looking for
1: the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast.
0: All right, I'm Chris Russell. Good to have you with us. We finish up the Locked on Redskins podcast with a couple of minutes with Corbin Smith, who hosts Locked on Seahawks, And as well, uh, also writes for SI.com and Seahawks Maven. So he's all over the Seahawks. We had a conversation last week after the Quentin Dunbar trade. We played part of it last week for you. A little bit more here as to how he fits in there and why it all went wrong in Washington.
4: What's his ceiling as a player? Obviously, he was playing at an all-pro, Pro Bowl caliber level before he got hurt last year. What is the ceiling for, for Dunbar? And I guess my other question here, I've noticed he's played a little bit of slot for the Redskins as well. Do you see that as something that he could do for the Seahawks if called upon?
0: I don't see him as a great slot player. And they really tried to avoid that as much as possible as he developed. So I really see him as an out. And and I, I really see him just purely as an outside corner. And that's how they, you know, used him largely, um, You know, and and mostly, um, I don't think they thought his frame necessarily would match well with kind of the jitterbug, smaller receivers in the slot. So let's just say I think he fits perfectly in the mold that you're talking about, the taller, more athletic, longer reach type corners. The one thing about Dunbar, besides, you know, again, you look and you say, well, four interceptions, that's good, right? And Only 11 games. Again, that's good. Um He is really, I, I think, he is pretty darn smart in terms of his mental approach to the game. He understands patterns. He understands routes. He understands where he needs to be, where a ball might be released or where it might be headed even before it gets there or even before it's released. He is a, I guess what you would say, a student of the game. Now, is he a brain surgeon? No. I'm talking about from a football IQ standpoint, he's not a dummy. Is he above average? Absolutely. Is he really smart? That's debatable. But I think you're getting a pretty good football IQ player who, again, has tremendous athleticism in addition to the longer frame that you're talking about, uh, that Quinton Dunbar brings to the table. And again, I think he has a nose for the football. And, you know, he, he has developed Amazing. I mean, it's really a true success story from, like you said, receiver when he first got to the Redskins undrafted out of Florida in 2015. Jay Gruden, Scott McLuhan, former Seahawk executive, they deserve a lot of credit for turning him around. Joe Barry, now the uh, Rams defensive, um, you know, co-defensive coordinator, whatever he is. They deserve a lot of credit for turning and flipping Quinton Dunbar.
4: Looking at this from the Redskins perspective, I'll add this as well from the film I've gotten to watch. Another thing that I really think the Seahawks love about this player He's only had six missed tackles the last two years combined. He has been really good at when he gets to a ball carrier, he gets them to the ground. So as Pete Carroll cannot stand that if his corners cannot tackle. So that's something else the Seahawks obviously love about him as a player. But looking at this again from a Redskins perspective, let's expand on this a little bit. You mentioned the contract issue. From what I gathered before they made the coaching change, bringing in Ron Rivera, there were some discussions about extending Dunbar and then the new regime comes in and suddenly whoa 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 we don't want to pay mega dollars and some of it might have just been you get a different scheme coming in ron rivera wants his own players in the secondary elaborate on that decision with this new regime not to extend him and what that might mean for the seahawks now he's only got one year left in his contract he wanted a new deal what was really the rationale here from the redskins perspective what do the seahawks maybe have to worry about here with this contract situation
0: yeah. So it's interesting, Corbin. I mean, uh, you know, I, I would say this, um, you know, Quinton definitely wants more money. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about that. He's due to make $3.25 billion in base. None of it guaranteed. It's part of a, th- you know, three-year deal and extension. You're right. He was talking extension with Bruce Allen. And I mean, Jay Gruden was gone by this point, but Bruce Allen and the former regime in charge of the uh, grand skins and, and you're right when Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio and, and and those guys took over I guess he felt slighted that they didn't reach out to him that they didn't show him a lot of love and that you know he says oh I'm going to skip OTAs and then th- the same night it's no nope, I want to trade or I want my release and then later that week it's like no 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 I didn't say that I didn't want to say that I didn't mean that Uh, you know we're going to meet and we're going to settle this all out and from what I understand he was told you know in this process by Ron Rivera In one meeting, maybe it was two phone calls, whatever it was, that the Redskins were not going to give him a raise, that they were not going to give him more money just because they wanted to get to know him as a person. They wanted to see how he fit in the culture you mentioned in the scheme and the cover three largely. They wanted to see how he would, you know, basically kind of, you know, play nice, if you will, uh, because they were concerned immediately when he starts popping off in the media. They don't want that. So. My understanding is Dunbar did not even, from what I was told, somebody involved in the situation, Dunbar did not want a long-term extension from the Redskins because he wasn't sure he wanted to even play here and stay here and play for this coaching staff. And he wasn't sure if they, he knew they didn't, you know, they needed to get to know him and that they weren't just going to buy into him right away. So what he was looking for, uh, long story short, is a significant raise this year. And the way it was termed to me, seven, seven and a half million. And he was even open to maybe a lower base salary with a heavier incentive structure because he does miss a lot of games. You know, he's only played uh, 15 games as a max in his career. And that was one year. And other years have been like last year, 11 games, seven games the year before. He does miss a lot of games. So maybe He could have gotten a a bump up in in, in base salary and then a heavier incentive package so that the team was protected a little bit. And from what I'm told, the Redskins said no, 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 and that set him off. So do the Seahawks have to pay him? I think they have to pay him something. But if I was told the right thing by somebody who is intimately familiar with this situation, it would seem seem that they are not going to have a gun pointed to their head and said, you know, pay me four or five year deal, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen million dollars per year. I was told that's not what he was looking for from Washington. So I assume he would be open to not having to have that in Seattle. I'm really
4: curious how this is gonna end up playing out because the Seahawks have made trades like this in the past for players that were disgruntled with their previous team that only had one year left in their contract and they were able to make things work and a lot of times players are just happy to change scenery and you can talk them into playing out that year under contract I'm really curious to see what Seattle does because Shaquille Griffin their other starting corner is also entering the final year of his rookie contract so both those players could be playing they could be competing against each other for the long-term deal if Seattle can only retain one of those two players so that's going to end up helping them I believe in the long run but they might not be able to afford both these guys on a long-term deal, so it is an interesting move. It was one the Seahawks needed to make. I think Trey Flowers is a player that still got a lot of upside, but really struggled in the playoffs, and I still think they'll have a role for him even with Dunbar coming in. He's a former safety, so they'll probably find somewhere to put him. But in the long run, this really helps them. Just got to wonder which guys are going to be around past 2020 since they've got two of those corners that are going to be hitting free agency soon. And Dunbar did not want to raise on his contract. Last question here real quick, Chris. We've talked about both sides of the equation here, what the Seahawks were looking for, why the Redskins made the decision they did. How would you evaluate this move for Seattle and what's next for Washington trying to replace him how do they move forward as an organization here
0: yeah so for Seattle I think as long as Quinton has his head in the right spot and he feels appreciated and wanted and desired I think this is going to be an excellent excellent fit I'd be very surprised even though you mentioned Corbin that you know kind of the struggles of the pass rush and we don't know as we talk here about Jadavion Clowney Um, I mean, I guess I would say it's unlikely that he comes back, but I can't rule it out. You know, to me, Dunbar is going to really kind of I think he's the kind of guy that's going to vibe well with the Seattle scene and the 12s and the energy and the passion and kind of get off on that. Um, I think you're getting a pretty good guy overall, even though he handled himself poorly. And I really think he needs better advice and better consult. Um, in terms of handling his frustrations, he's a little immature. Uh, from a Redskins perspective, look, they just signed Kendall Fuller. They do have Fabian Moreau, who was a high third-round pick a couple of years ago, who is a better outside corner. So, you know, they let Josh Norman go as well uh, because he, you know, had fallen out of favor uh, and just wasn't, you know, the same. So, so right now, quite honestly, the Redskins are short at least one starting corner, if not. You can make an argument, too, if they want, you know, kind of to leave Moreau as depth as opposed to being a starter. I mean, you could say like one and a half. So I definitely think it'll be a priority in the draft. I might even, you know, this sounds crazy, but Jeff Okuda, I can't rule him out. As, if the Redskins trade back to three, four five, wherever it is, and Jeff Akuta's there, I think they take Jeff Akuta out of Ohio State. And then, you know, maybe they'll still be busy here in the cornerback free agent market despite sending uh despite signing Kendall Fuller. Again, I approached this offseason as they needed two starting corners anyway. And that was because I wasn't sure what was gonna happen with Dunbar. Now that he's gone, even with Fuller here, they still absolutely need at least one starting corner. And again, you can make an argument they might not they might even need two or one and a half. All right, once again, that's Corbin Smith joining us from Seattle. He's going to provide some insight on J.D. McKissick coming up here in a soon-to-be future episode. Trust me, we've got material right now what the hell we're going to do in may i don't know but we've got material right now so just hang hang with us be patient we'll get it all out to you right here on the locked on redskins podcast thanks for listening thanks for downloading please be safe uh, please do your social distancing please wash your hands uh and don't drive uh, anybody crazy please don't do anything stupid uh but thanks for listening uh i'm chris russell adios hey prime members